morning, everyone. We're privileged to have Donna read our scripture for us this morning. Thank you. Luke 9, 23 through 25. And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Mark 10, 43 through 45. But it is not this way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, su- ser- but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Luke fourteen eleven, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. John four thirty four, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Bless you. Thank you, Donna. You definitely have a career in radio ahead with your reading voice. Thank you. Join me in prayer if you would. God, we honor you today as the God of the nations. We know that your eyes go to and fro across the earth seeking a person to build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the nations. And God, may we as individuals and as your church be those people who build up the wall and stand in the gap on behalf of the nations. God, thank you for the privilege of worship today. As Scott has said, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we honor you today. We worship you today. And may our lives be a great fragrance of Jesus Christ, not only here, but to the ends of the earth. I pray this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. It's certainly a privilege for Celia and me to be with you all again today. Um, I met before the first service a gentleman who had been the pastor uh, of a church that my dad had also pastored. I also ran into a lady and she looked at me and she said, so are you the minister of the day? (laughs) And I wasn't sure if that was a compliment or not. (laughs) Great friends of ours who was actually a professor of mine at Furman, I told you last week that I had come on the bus here to enjoy worship and also a good lunch when I was at Furman. Uh, Dr. John Block and his wife, Barbara, uh, were here at the first service, and that too was a tremendous blessing for Celia and me to get to see them again After all these years, their daughter Kara and her family are uh, part of your church family. And then uh, now, uh, some great friends of ours from Columbia are here, Celine and Don Millis and their kids. I don't know where y'all are. Right there. Thank you for being here. And I had the privilege a number of years ago of performing their wedding ceremony. To see them here with their precious kids and following Jesus, it's really an honor. So thank you all for being here uh, with us today. Scott, uh, thank you and Kevin for the worship too, for blessing us and the way it touches our hearts. We really appreciate what y'all are doing. And Scott, I'm looking forward to your coming by and picking me up in the Jeep uh, so we can go grab coffee or lunch. So we'll get that on the books for this week, if that's okay. 
Is it safe? I mean, it's, it's good, right? Yeah, good. Let me ask you, the, uh, the cross that was in the picture, uh, the big steel cross, do you know where that was from? I'm just curious because... The internet. Yeah. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> That's a really good answer. Celia uh, nudged me when that picture came up, just so you all know, I think it was from the city of Skopje, Macedonia, uh, which is where we've done a lot of work over the years, just so you know. There's a real battle there between uh, people of faith and uh, people who have no faith uh, and are, are, are Muslims. And so uh, a group of Christians erected a big cross on a big mountain right over the capital city of Skopje. And I think that's what that was. Just another reminder of the power of God and the way he's moving all across the face of the earth. So I want to ask you as we begin, we're going to be talking about the realities of God's kingdom, and and I'll uh, begin with that in just a minute. But before I do, I, I want to tell you something that really has burdened my heart and that I hope you'll join me in prayer for. And that is that revival will begin in our hearts, my heart first, your hearts, in our church family's heart, and to the ends of the earth. Because as I, as I sit in church on Sundays, as I work during the week, I really wonder sometimes if the power and the presence and the fire of the Holy Spirit of God is really present in the Western church. And I feel like sometimes the stories of God, we sort of gloss over, we kind of forget the power of them, we take them for granted. So when we were living in France, Celia and I led a, a youth group for middle school kids. Our kids, our two oldest kids were a part of it. And every Wednesday we would get together about 35 or 40 kids and we would tell Bible stories and we would sing and have pizza and, and it was a lot of fun. But one day in particular, Celia and I were talking about the story of Jesus' betrayal and we were painting the picture for the kids because really most of these kids had never grown up hearing the Bible stories and that sort of thing. And so we got to the story of one of Jesus's friends betraying him. And one of the young gals who uh, was part French and part American, when we got to the story of Judas, she literally went, <gasps> thinking, how could a friend of Jesus's betray him? And I feel like to some extent, the Western church has lost that piece of awe, that piece of surprise, that piece of glory when we hear the stories of Jesus and what he's done for us. And so I've committed to pray every day that in my life, just starting with me, that the Holy Spirit of God will revive my spirit, not only for our family and for our community and for this church family, but to the ends of the earth. Because when we see the realities of politics, when we see the realities of business and money and hurtful behaviors, we need revival. 
It's the only answer. Revival of God's church, the power of Jesus working through his church is the answer to the ills of the world. And last week, you remember, we talked about prayer and fasting, taking the narrow way leading to life rather than the broad path leading to destruction. We saw in the bulletin today that we have a time every week of prayer and fasting, and that room ought to be overflowing because we want our spirits to be revived. We want our kids and grandkids to be revived in the name of Jesus. We want our church to be revived. We want the nations to be revived. So I ask you to join me in that prayer. Maybe you leave today with one thought, and that is, Jesus, may my spirit be revived. May I remember what you have done, and may I be a part of sharing that gospel message all across the face of the earth. So I hope you'll join me in that prayer. Today we're going to look at the realities of God's kingdom, and there are just three things I would like to share about the realities of God's kingdom. The first is the seeking of God's kingdom. And what is it? And what do the scriptures say about God's kingdom? The second thing is, my experience has been not only in reading history of the Bible and Christian history, but our own experience, there must always be a leaving when we're following God's will for our lives, when we're following God's kingdom, when we're a part of God's kingdom advance. So we're going to look at the concept of leaving in our lives. And third, we're going to understand the, the concept of being a servant, a servant leader, what it means to put others first, what it means to humble ourselves and not exalt ourselves. And you may say, but, but I'm not a leader. And my response is, we're all leaders. We're all leaders in our home. We're all leaders in the places where we exert influence. We're leaders in the marketplace. We're leaders in this church. And so God is calling us all to be servant leaders. And I want to encourage you in this message today, and several people came up to me after the first message and, and talked about this and explored this with me, but I feel like it's really important as we look at God's kingdom for us each to analyze this ourselves. I read Charles Spurgeon a lot. Many of you know he was a pastor back in a big church in London, England in the 1800s. And he actually wrote a sermon and he said, part of the problem with most people when they listen to my sermons is they're always saying, boy, Frank really needs to hear this. Susan really needs to hear this instead of, do I really need to hear it? And so that's a danger for all of us. And I just encourage you today to enter into this morning during the coming weeks a, a period of self-analysis and self-check on where am I on the issue of revival? Where am I on the issue of God's kingdom advance through my life. So a number of years ago, I read a book called Team of Rivals. It's by Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's an excellent book on President Abraham Lincoln and how he cobbled together his cabinet 
from a bunch of people who hated him, who wanted his job, who didn't agree with his agenda, but he made them into cohesive cabinet. And I really wish that a lot of our political leaders would pick up that book and read it today. I actually sent a copy a number of years ago to President Obama, and I need to send a copy to President Trump because the idea of working together and compromise somehow has been lost in politics. But as I began to read that book, I I thought, you know, I'm going to just jot down every attribute, every characteristic of President Lincoln and keep it. And so I actually ended up with an 18-page document of things that characterized Abraham Lincoln's life. Things like, he said he never wrote a letter in anger. Okay? He always slept on things before acting. And I thought, wow, how many times do we send an email or do something and we say, boy, I wish I had that back. So the characteristics really blessed me. Then I showed that one time to a good friend of mine, and he said, this is really good. This is helpful, but we need to take more steps. So he developed a document for me, and in column one is the attributes of President Lincoln. In column two, it says, how do I stack up to these? And column three says, if I don't stack up, what action do I need to take? And I just encourage you, we're often so strategic, as I said last week, in our business lives, with our kids and families and planning vacations and doing things like that. But with our spiritual lives, we're often kind of what I would call sloppy, lazy. You know, I may get to it at some point in time. And so I just encourage you, and I get up every morning and ask the Lord to help me order my time, help me live out Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So I encourage you this morning as we share together for a few minutes to think, how does this apply to me? What is God saying to me today? So let's look at some of these principles. And by the way, this group over here, I was told last week after the message that I didn't look over here enough, okay, in this section. So basically, I'm going to speak to y'all only today. The entire church is going to be watching y'all. If you go to sleep or leave or anything like that, we'll all know it, okay? Is that that fair? Am I giving y'all enough attention It is kind of hard to remember to look over here, look up, but I'm trying to do my best. (laughs) So let's look first at the reality of God's kingdom and seeking God's kingdom. Remember last week we talked about building something bigger than ourselves. That's God's kingdom. I was reading last night in Acts chapter 1. I got to verse 4. You can look at it later. But after Jesus had come from the grave and he was back with his followers, Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says he was talking about what? The Bible says he was talking about the kingdom of God. In Matthew uh, chapter 
6, verse 10, in the model prayer, what does it say? Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we want to understand God's kingdom, righteousness, being related rightly to God and to man. So I just think for us to think, am I a person who is seeking the reality of God's kingdom every day? Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we ask ourselves on Tuesday afternoon at our office or when we're caring for grandchildren or whatever we might be doing at school, am I exercising self-control? Am I living out the principles of the Bible? When we lived in San Francisco, as I was attending seminary, I also set up a group, and and the purpose of the group was to bless prostitutes in downtown San Francisco. And so every Friday night, I loaded up my Suburban with Bibles and seminary students, and we went down there. It was life-changing. It really was in the streets of San Francisco. And I remember one time a young lady came walking up to me, and her, her hands were just shaking like this. And she came up to me and several of our friends, and she said, I just feel like you have peace, and I want it. So peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So are we demonstrating this in the lives of other people in our everyday lives? Micah 6.8, let justice roll down like waters, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Second Chronicles 7.14, we talked about last week. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. That's talking to us. That's a reality of the kingdom for us Today, the Bible says it. We believe it. Wake up asking. I encourage you to wake up asking, how can I serve? How can I live an upside-down life for Jesus? It's, it's almost counterintuitive because the world is saying money, prestige, power, position, place, security for us and our family. I get all that. But it's kind of like the salmon who swim upstream. Jesus calls us in a kingdom reality to be people who swim against the current, to people who swim upstream with the love of Jesus, cloaked with the fruits of the Spirit, but being kingdom-minded people seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all these things will be added to us. Specifically to dads, um, one verse that I want to share with you that's meant a lot to me in this regard is Psalm chapter 37, verse 25. Because a lot of times in the financial arena, we're concerned about the future. We're concerned about our kids and those coming after us and college, and I get all that. We've sent all four of our kids through college and some through graduate school. 
But that verse is a great reminder for us as kingdom people. It says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. These truths of the scripture, I just want to commend to you as kingdom people. They're critical. We we actually can't make it without the truths of the Scripture. So that's why last week and I, uh, again today I commend you for reading great portions of the Scripture as a church family because we need to know the promises of God and then we need to live them out in our lives. So we want to seek first God's kingdom in, in all of its meaning. And we want to be people who are, who are global in scope, who are bigger than just our own world. So if you don't mind putting up the picture, um, guys, I have a picture that I'd like to show you today of coffee cups. And hopefully it'll come up in just a minute. Um, coming, 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 coming. There we go. Excellent. So this is in our home, and I just want to commend to you what Celia and I started doing uh, a few years ago. We began collecting coffee cups from around the world to remind us to pray for the nations every day. So this morning, I got that black cup that's from Nicaragua. Our daughter-in-law lived there four and a half years working with Young Life, and it just reminds us that there's something bigger than our world out there. So a few months ago, we had an Iraqi couple over. They had dinner with us. They were talking about their one daughter who lives here, their other daughter who's a dentist in Baghdad. And I took the husband around, and I showed him this prayer area, and I told him what we do. We use these cups every day, and it reminds us to pray for these nations represented on these cups. And he looked at me, and he said, I've got to get you a cup from Iraq because we need you to pray for Iraq. I'm not saying you have to do a coffee display like this. But what I am saying is when we think about the the breadth of God's kingdom, the size of God's kingdom, we want to be people who think and pray about more than our own individual lives and our family. But we want to be people who pray about the community. That's why I love the Love Taylor's video and Kathy's remarks about that. And we want to think and pray about the nations and people who are the have-nots all across the world who are hurting and dying, many without knowing Jesus. So thank you for showing that picture. Second, I want to mention a few things about the concept of leaving Because I see when I look at the story of Abraham, the story of Moses, the story of Esther, the stories of Paul and Silas, people all throughout the Bible and through Christian history, there is always involved a leaving, following Jesus with our whole hearts in a life of adventure necessarily involves a leaving. Now, it may be a geographical leaving. It may be a leaving of an attitude. It may be leaving of comfort. It may be leaving of a habit. But whatever it is, uh, I just want to encourage you today to think and pray this day and during the coming weeks, 
what is it that I need to leave behind in order to fully follow Jesus? Maybe it's a critical spirit. We tell our kids all the time in, in finding spouses, in, in friendships and all, the spirit of a person is so critical, so important. And they say, Dad, what is the spirit of a person? I said, I really can't define it, but you know it. You know how they treat people. You know how they respond to stress. You know how they treat the servers in a restaurant and so forth. And so it may be that a spirit of dissension, for example, needs to be left behind, a spirit of animosity, whatever. So when we were moving to San Francisco, one of my law clerks and I uh, drove our two cars out, Celia and the four kids, and our dog flew. And uh, I remember as, as I was driving to San Francisco, leaving the governor's office, I've told people I cried half the way thinking about what I had left behind. A good job, both sets of parents, ministry at Shandon Baptist Church there in Columbia, circle of friends. But I've said in that journey that we began there and continued for the next 20 years among the nations, I wouldn't trade it for anything. But what really got us through uh, about... Uh, on the way to San Francisco, in my own heart, I, I put a stake in the ground and I said, Jesus, you have called us to this. We are going to do this. We feel led of God to do this. And we're always going to come back to this stake. And so I encourage you, as you follow Jesus, as you perhaps leave something that needs to be left or that God is leaving you, leading you to leave, drive that stake in the ground so that you can always come back to it. I feel like a lot of times the world just wants us to kind of be wishy-washy and the world doesn't want us to drive stakes deep in the ground. I was handling a case recently, and it was a construction case, and, and we went and we saw the foundations that had been driven deep into the ground, and so the building was secure. And as we drive those stakes in the ground, God will honor it. He will lead us. So that's what the Scripture says when it says uh, we need to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow Him. So my question today is, what do you feel led of God to leave behind? Take a step in the leaving, I encourage you. God will empower you. It may be geographical, but it may not be. We moved to San Francisco from Columbia because we wanted to move to a city where there weren't many believers. And that was true of San Francisco. We wanted to move to a world-class city and a crossroads city where the nations were coming together. And that's why we ended up on the mission field with the IMB working in North Africa. So it's all a part of God's plan. It's all a part of the journey. But I just encourage you, wherever you are in your life's journey today, to embrace the concept of leaving behind.
And third, I want to mention to you about the idea of servanthood. By the way, it's, it's not really a, a focus verse, but if you're taking notes, I encourage you to jot down Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, because it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is the only way any of this can be accomplished. Seeking God's kingdom, leaving that we need to do, or the third, which is being a servant servant leader. So what is our default? Uh, Do we want to always be first in line? Do we always want to go first through a door? I was speaking yesterday to a a law firm retreat uh, up in Charlotte, and so Celia said that on the way home, we were going to stop at the Charlotte outlets. Well, you know, that was music to my ears. And uh, we spent a glorious at least two hours there. It was wonderful. And uh, I hope you'll forgive me, uh, and I really do. It, it really was a blessing to be with you. But uh, in any event, so I'm sitting outside of a particular store, and I sat there for quite a while, and it was fascinating to watch people go in and out. You know, some people are very courteous, other people it doesn't even cross their mind to hold the door. And so I got up, and because a mom was coming up with a stroller, she had a, another child behind, and, you know, she was, and I got up and held the door for her. I went and sat back down. There had been an elderly gentleman sitting next to me, and he said something about good, and I said, yeah, it feels great here because it was in the shade. And he said, no, he said, what you did was really good. It's a little thing, you know, just going out of my way a little bit. But one thing that the Lord has taught me to do is I try and wake up every day and I, I try and say first thing, not only Matthew six thirty three, how can we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that all things will be added to you, but also how can I serve Celia, my kids, my family, the two people that two of my kids are married to, others whom I'll influence. I just feel like the world pushes against the idea of servanthood. It's all about, to me, when I watch TV and things like that, it's all about who can be there first, who has the most power. And you see, Jesus says all that is, he says, if you get to the banquet, take take the back seat. In, somebody, in case somebody more important comes in. Jesus is very clear about this and being a servant, being a servant leader. So a friend of mine uh, just gave four things that I want to share with you just quickly. It won't take but a second, but just four characteristics of, of servant, servant leaders. Number one, we love God. Number two, we have a sacrificial attitude. So what I have, I want to I try and bless you with. Number three, we're humbled to God's will. And number four, we're obedient to God's call. Okay, Those are hallmarks of us as servants. We love God. We have a sacrificial attitude. We're humbled to God's will. And we're obedient to God's call. So I encourage each of us today, as we're thinking and praying about our roles. And, you know, I mentioned last week, and it's so important that you all will impact people whom Celia and I will never meet. That's the way God's plan is. By the same token, 
will impact people that many of you will never meet. But God's call is for faithfulness. He's not asking any of us to do the whole job by ourselves. But as we seek to revive our own spirits, as we seek to revive this church family, our community, and the nations, it takes all of us. So I encourage you to think this week and join me in thinking this week and praying, am I seeking first God's kingdom? Am I doing any leaving that needs to take place? And am I serving as a servant and a servant leader in the circles in which God has placed me? So maybe you want to respond today. If God has moved your heart, I pray that you will. We're so encouraged to be a part of this church family and to see where God is going to lead us in the days ahead. May the Lord bless you all.